Hello and welcome to Bluebells Forever, a podcast with interviews of Bluebell dancers past and present. Join Sherry Lewis, a Bluebell herself, as she leads us on a journey through story and experience. And now here's Sherry. Today with me on Bluebells Forever is Lewis Calcutt. So hi, Lewis. Hey, thanks for having me. This is so fun. We were just talking about the web of uh, people I've interviewed that are friends and the overlap. And it's just, you just talk to a couple dancers in the professional world and you'll find out it's kind of like the seven, I don't even know, seven degrees of Kevin Bacon. We've got <laughs> yeah. like two degrees of bluebells because it's just, if you've danced like on a cruise ship, at some point you've probably danced for one of those shows. It's just, there's a lot of jobs and there's not a lot of jobs. So a lot of people kind of tend to go towards that same production show yeah, definitely. I mean, it's a, a massive industry, but a very small pool of people that work. Yeah. So I actually met you when I, I, it was a last minute thing, Tammy Gibson, who is in charge of bringing on guest teachers to teach yoga or Pilates for the guest. And so she asked me, I think 10 days before the cruise was going to happen, would you want to go do this? And I'm like, in the middle of a pandemic where I haven't left to go anywhere, I was like, oh. and then when she told me it was to Bermuda, because I had worked in Bermuda as a dancer for Greg Thompson Productions. It's my favorite place in the world. And I go back almost every year. So with the pandemic, I kept saying, okay, I got to get back. And so she said, Bermuda, I'm like, I don't care if COVID's raging. I don't care. <laughs> I need to go. I'm going. <laughs> I'm going. And, the, and then when she told me about how wonderful the cruise is, like how luxury, and she kept talking about the food. And then she's talking about the show. And I said, is it okay if I talk to the dancers? Is that allowed? Cause like some ships, like, you know, you can't intermingle or whatever. And she said, oh, absolutely. They're all wonderful. So I, I loved being on the ship, teaching in the morning, having free time, having the best dinner I think I'd had, not just COVID, but for a long time, like yeah. choosing, hmm, what do I want? Brazilian today? Do I want Chinese? Do I want the best Italian? And then just walking up and seeing amazing shows. So first I have to say the shows were so wonderful and the caliber of dancers in that show was great. And oh, then the fact that, when I worked on ships, we had one show. We did it two, I don't know how many shows. We did like only three a week. It was, we, mm -hmm. we were pretty cush. We didn't have any variety. We finally added like a roaring 20 shows. Just a lot of the dancers complained because they didn't want to work extra. I was just so happy to not do the same stinking show every yeah. time. Mm -hmm. So I come back the next night and it's a whole different show. And then I come back and it's a different, like, man, these dancers are working like crazy. Like there's not an easy show. Like you guys, especially the icon show. I think that was, was called. Yeah, I, I don't think you, I think you must've exited the stage for all of 30 seconds to come back with a new costume and then just a full out hardcore choreography show. So. Yeah, I there's a lot going on. I mean, I think that show in particular is nine costume changes in just under 55 minutes. Um, <laughs> yeah. And pretty much every number you're in. Um, so it's quick on and off stage, but um, yeah, we're really lucky on a crystal to have such variety within our shows. Um, I mean, from icons, celebrating all the icons the past 60 years um, to a Broadway show that was um, in partnership with Kevin McCullum, the Broadway producer, um, who produced um, some of the shows that we did, Something Rotten, West Side Story, Rent, um, to name a few. I think he's about to do the new Devil Wears Prada on Broadway. Oh, really? Um, yeah, so, yeah, I mean, we were super lucky with like, the repertoire that we had. And like you said, the ships are beautiful and 
the food and everything being all inclusive is it was a great life <laughs> well and I actually looked up because Facebook lets you do that because I had I don't know where you even found it I think it's in the the news thing you'd get in your cabin every day about the show and I think it had the dancers listed on one mm-hmm. of those so I of course looked on Facebook to find out what else y'all have done and then I wondered was curious if there was any bluebell dancers or people that had worked at the Lido in the cast and I are you the only one that had out of all those? No, I, think? I didn't actually work at Lido. I was, I've worked with many of the dancers from Mulan and Lido. Um, one of my first jobs, um, my second job actually was at the Royal Palace in Kia Villa, where I met Leah and Megan, um, who are both now at Lido still. Um, and then I did a season at uh, Le Nouveau Lev in Paris. So yeah, I mean, if you work in France, it's a, a super, super small network of showboys and showgirls. So, uh, yeah, a lot of my best friends to this day are still over there and working. So it's a good excuse to go and visit a past yeah. life. <laughs> well, I think that's what I notice is like mutual friends, because now that I've interviewed so many of them at the Lido, their mm-hmm. friends show up. And I'm, so I think you had like 10 that I had mutual friends. I'm like, OK, so I knew there was a connection there. Mm-hmm. So I. I want to talk about the ships first, then we'll go backwards of like how you got into dance. Cause I want to hear about all those other shows in Paris, because honestly, I only thought the Lido and the Mulan were the only things left because we, a lot of us in America have grieved that all of Vegas is gone. There's no more showgirl shows. Yeah, so like those two were hate. And then I went, Oh, there's all these other, I found out from interviewing people about Royal Palace and Nouvelle and Paradis Par- Par- Like I had no yeah. idea that there was a thriving cabaret company companies or world in Paris so it it's really exciting that there's also more work for dancers than just two shows oh yeah absolutely and I mean they're all so traditional yet so unique and different in their own way and yeah I mean a lot of dancers I know that have like hopped from show to show like one of my friends was in parody and then went to crazy horse I mean Leah and Megan who I worked with my time at Nouvelle um, at Royal Palace sorry they um are both in Lido now. Megan did a year at Mulan as well, um, which is always nice because every time I go back to Paris to visit um, or vacation, I've got either a new friend in a different show or someone swapped tracks. Um, so yeah, it keeps it interesting and fun. And yeah, it's a lot. There's a lot more than just the two. That's exciting. And if they're made it through COVID, because I know with that, I was interviewing people at. Lido specific of it's going to open and it wasn't going to open and mm-hmm. we you know pretty positive it's going to come back and then after a while you start to wonder if this is if this is yeah. going to go away and to see things open I'm going to Paris in just over a week and I'm trying to we're going to see everything like I'm going to see the Lido twice so yeah. I because I've known so many people from interviewing that I, I know once isn't enough but I'm so excited mm-hmm. to see all the other shows yeah so no, this- I wanted seeing you just saying I'm going to see Lido twice it's actually kind of a running joke between a lot of my super close friends over there I think the last time I watched it which was New Year's of 2020 just before the pandemic was my 40th time seeing the new Lido show um because every time I go back um either a new friend's in it or someone's changed track like I know Leah and Megan have both been um move track now they're both doing sublime so to see them do that or when they switch between like um swinging different tracks um so yeah the amount of times that I just end up seeing the show just because it's a new version and every time you see something different there's so much going on the costumes and the dancers are beautiful um 
yeah, and it's just, it's incredible to see. Oh my, yeah, I, I would probably see it every night because when I saw it, I was there for the um, Bluebell reunion in 2019 mm-hmm. and I didn't know anything in the show and I was just overwhelmed. It was just so beautiful and I'm, it was audience full of Bluebells. We were loud and exuberant and super happy to see it and I didn't know anybody. So I got to take it in as the whole thing. But I know this time I'm going to be looking for Savannah, for Leah, for everybody, Megan. So yeah. then I, I, we have tickets to go Friday. Um, and I was excited, but then Savannah is not back into the ninth. I'm like, well, I have to go back to ninth because I have to see yeah, Savannah as a sublime. So Leah's, Leah, Megan, and um, Megan, Savannah, who did I say? And then Alexander just got moved up. So it's a whole, is all the sublime line, do you know, is it all new has everybody moved up to new positions i know some people didn't come back and it was a really great thing to be moved up to sublime um i think one or two are still there from what i can remember the girls saying um but there's a lot of new ones and a lot of um i know a lot of people like swing different tracks um which is good it keeps it interesting that's what i went into later in my career on ships um so yeah I mean, a lot of the times when I saw the show, I, I was super lucky. The time that I was actually working at the same time when I was at uh, Le Nouvelle Eve, I lived at Port Mayo, just the other side of the Arc de Triumph. So if it was my night off and the girls were like, we've got free tickets, I would be like, oh, I'll just come again. What track are you doing? So yeah, it's nice to see them all move around and still enjoy the work instead of just getting complacent, you know, like in our industry, it's easy just to sit and ride. But I think as a performer, you always want to like grow and continue that journey of progression so like swinging tracks or moving um and especially to the sublime line being one of the five leads is is incredible yeah I think I was talking to people during the pandemic of how you have to stay motivated you can't just sit and wait for the show to open because your body is not going to love that to come back to a show if you've not been Alexander was like I go to Pilates I go to yoga I do ballet I hike I run I was like wow because you just didn't know but to come back to see who actually really had been keeping themselves emotionally, physically <laughs> fit yeah. through this time. It's been really hard for dancers. Like how much can you do in your apartment, especially the Parisian apartments as I've heard are very small. Like how, yeah. how much can you actually train to be ready for when it happens? You're good to go. So I decided yeah. I'm going to go backwards. I mean, let's go back mm-hmm. to like where you grew up. And then, cause I want to spend time on the ships because there's so many good things. We'll, we'll just go sequential. Cause now I'm so curious how you ended up in all these so yeah. where did you grow up and how did you get into dance um I grew up in the south of England the southwest um in a city called Plymouth it's down next to Cornwall um so yeah lovely little seaside town I started dancing as soon as I was allowed when I turned three um I had gone I was probably like two two and a half and I'd gone to see my auntie in like an adult tap show um so yeah, she was an ex-dancer and then went back into it later in life um, just for like fun and fitness. Um, we'd gone to watch the show and we'd gone back to the house for dinner after and um, my mum and my family were all in the living room talking and stuff and then they could just hear this racket going on in the kitchen. And it turns out it was me. I'd taken the tap shoes from her bag, put them on and danced around the kitchen because I could <laughs> hear the taps on the tiles. Um, so from that, my mum was like, okay, he wants to dance. So yeah, when I was three, <laughs> when I was old enough, oh, That's amazing to- that you can actually remember that far back. Because some of it's like, what is it? 
that drew oh, you no, to no, that. They team. told me the stories. I was like, how did I start dancing? Because for me, it's just always been a thing. And they it's were like, been a oh, thing. this is the story. Um, yeah, so then they took me to baby tap when I was three. And then my um, tap teacher was like, oh, we should try them at ballet as well. Because, you know, not everyone that can tap can do ballet and vice versa. Um, and then that led on to modern jazz, contemporary musical theatre. And I just, yeah. Uh, all through your growing up years, like through through yeah, from teen years and sticking with it? Um, through to about 11. And then I took like, I was it, I was going up for the auditions for the Royal Ballet Associates and I decided I wanted to stop dancing and I wanted to um, have my weekends basically. All my friends had started like cinema and swimming and like going and doing like trips. And um, I guess I felt like I wanted to do that. And then I, so I, my parents were never pushy. They were always like, do what makes you happy. Um, so I stopped for probably a year or two and then I missed it and then they I was quite reserved as a child and quite timid and shy um, believe it or not now um, <laughs> and then um, they put me into stagecoach like a theatre arts where you did like an hour of singing an hour of acting and an hour of dance on the weekend and then that led me to taking up ballet and tap again until I was 15 and I auditioned for performing arts um, universities in the UK is that um, exclusively arts? Is that like, like in America, like what we consider university and college, I think sometimes I'm confused of, yeah, is so this after you graduate? Your, you can uh, go any age after 16, you have to audition to get in and then you're, you're schooling from seeing upwards. Um, like mine, where I trained, became just performing arts. So like my day would start at like 7.30, was registered at eight o'clock warm up. Then it was, an hour and a half of ballet, an hour and a half of tap, lunch break, acting, singing, contemporary, commercial. Um, yeah, so you have, you'd have like contextual studies that went along with it for like written essays and stuff, but to get your either national diploma or your degree, um, you did your three-year course um, predominantly on dance and musical theater. Did you, that's a lot of dance. Like you have mm -hmm. to love it to hang in there that long. Cause some people like, yeah. Okay, maybe maybe a week of that for an intensive, but three years of it. Did you did you love it, or I mean, it could be both. It could be really grueling. I, mean, I was a bit cautious originally because obviously I'd stopped for like a year or two when I was younger, um, and I always loved cooking. Um, I actually went and did a foundation course, like a pre-vocational course, for a year at the college um, to help me decide if I wanted to do it or if I wanted to go to culinary school. Um, so yeah, I went and did a pre-vocational course for a year and then that kind of confirmed that this is what I wanted to do. And then I re-auditioned and then got offered my scholarship for the three-year course. And then, so I did four years technically all in one run. So you're getting a really good variety of all the styles, not, cause I think sometimes you get like a little taste of something, you yeah. know, like some people are so heavy on ballet or so heavy on modern and then they throw a jazz class in there to make people kind of happy, but you were getting the acting, singing. Were you also doing vocal or was that? Yeah, part of it? that was, we had to be like a triple threat or try to be a triple threat. And we were super lucky where I went um, at Performers College in the UK. Um, your teachers are from all over. So like um, the late great Frank Freeman, who was the governor of the Royal Ballet was one of our teachers. And um, we had teachers um, at New Westmoreland who runs Matthew Bourne's dance company for him. Our musical theatre teachers were in the West End currently. They would teach during the day and then go and do their shows at night. Um, 
commercial teachers were doing music videos in their spare time. So like you had people that were still in the industry working or had a massive history with them working. So yeah, the training was incredible and I loved it. And then, yeah, still going now. Wow. Or do they prep you for like auditions or once you're done, you're pretty much, or do they have any kind of off ramp? Like here's how we can help you with the next stage once you're out of here. Yeah, you have an audition, um, you have audition workshops, especially a lot more in your second and third year. And in your third year, they actually get a lot of the auditions to come to the college because the college is quite well known in the UK. So um, like I ended up working for Jean and Ryan, which we spoke a little about, about mm-hmm. before because um, we both worked for Jean Anne. Um, she came and auditioned me at college. Um, I mean, I didn't work for her right away. I ended up booking another job from the audition I did the day before and then she stayed in contact and I think it was like three or four years later that I actually ended up working for her but yeah a lot of the auditions they would come into our college or they would send us into London so we were like prepared and the college has an agency so you can graduate with an agent you don't have to wait around and email all these agents to come to your summer review that's amazing what's the name of the college it's called Performance College. They're just about to open a second one. I saw on Facebook the other day, they're um, opening a Northern campus in Birmingham. Um, but yeah, their main school, the school I went to was in um, Essex, just outside of London. Yeah, that's amazing. Cause if like Jean Ann, cause mm-hmm. like there's certain cities they go to some, this is a terrible thing. Like she came to Seattle cause I worked for her and then she came up to Seattle to do an audition. She didn't come on that one she sent someone and the people that came were people that never take dance class they were didn't know how to audition there was one I think she came twice one of them a friend of mine said that the person running the camera just turned it off they were pretending their video but they weren't seeing anything I'm like we have good dancers they just don't know about cruise ships or they don't know how to audition and so I said if you tell me what you want I can line that up and then make make your travels not a waste of money and time yeah, I think that they just know, like, here's where the good ones are. Let's just go to one place and get a bunch of good dancers instead of go city to city and get maybe one per trip. I guess it's just yeah. really brilliant for, you know, like go where they're fresh and well-trained and they know how to audition and they're prepared. Cause that's yeah. the thing that's kind of sad. A lot of people can do a whole dance degree and don't, don't know the business. They don't know how to audition. They, so I have a question, like, what did you learn? What experiences that people listening to, like, what were some things that helped you there's a lot of people I'm surprised have no idea like etiquette even for auditions, but like what were some things of takeaways that helped you prepare for the, the real world of auditions? Just like doing your research on like what, com- what the company is, like what type of shows they produce. Um, like for Jean and Ryan, you, you know, she's very similar to the Paris girl. She likes tall, skinny showgirl body types or showboy body types. So you wouldn't go to the audition in a baggy hoodie and sweatpants. Like she wants to see your body. Um, And I think for the girls, especially, it was super helpful of like how to style your hair, what kind of makeup to do, how to make you stand out in the right way. Um, Yes, I think it was super useful having those workshops and then having the experience of um, companies and businesses coming to the campus to audition the graduating year. just because you had your teachers around you, people that were in the industry and you really like, if you looked terrible or you were wearing the wrong thing, they'd like go change that, like do, do this, do that. So it was super helpful. And it just kind of prepared me more for going into the industry and what to expect um, from l- lining up at Pineapple or 
one of the dance studios in London or Paris or whatever. Um, yeah, and just preparing yourself mentally and like physically of how to dress for certain things. And yeah, just like background of it all. Yeah. There was a video that, I don't know if you know, do you know Hilary Sukanos at the yes. Lido? Her and yeah, I, we talk a lot and I'm actually going to, she's letting us stay in her apartment in Paris and uh -huh. when I'm so excited that's uh -huh. get to get to experience that. Um, but she sent me a video that we don't know how old it was a Moulin Rouge audition. And there's a, there's like, it looks like thousands. I don't know how many were like, probably hundreds. And then, you know, like everybody, if they're all wearing black and they got their numbers and it's like how you don't want to be standing out too much, but enough for people to notice. Cause I've given auditions and even if there's 20, it's hard to see everybody You're going across the floor and like, you're looking at the next one. And so, yeah. you know, there's something that makes you catch their eye when they're trying to see a bunch of people, like 40% of them have dark hair or whatever. Like, was there anything like that, that, that you, besides just how you dress that, that helps you to get the eye when, you know, you've got a few seconds when they're looking at this many people. Yeah. I mean, there were some things that like agents have said before as well, like have changing your hair color or the hairstyle to make you stand out more. Um, for me, I mean, I normally would just, the outfit, like I think if everyone is in just black, you're not gonna stand out. So like a statement color or a statement piece. Um, and also just relying on your strengths, like of an audition, like for, for me, like if I'm about to start a routine um, and the there's like, sometimes they'll do like, okay, take two, three, four, lots of eight before the combination starts to freestyle, like play to your strengths and do things that you know you can do. So if you can trick and tumble, like that's your time to throw that in. Um, I mean, I'm quite flexible. So I just kind of relied on my flexibility. Um, I used to tumble. So like I used to throw some of that in. Um, but yeah, also online submissions now, like you, it's especially since the pandemic, it's blown up. Um, I don't actually remember the last time I was in a live audition, um, probably years ago, because I've just relied now on my resume and my showreel links or like submitting footage that footage that's been asked of me and just doing it all myself online. Yeah. Wow. And then you have to be able to show up online because on video, like we have a video class right now at my studio of how to work to the camera because some people look right past it. Like there's a whole art of auditioning. Yeah. for video too like how you have to be engaging with there's nobody there to give you energy or feedback or anything you've got to you can't be blank yeah for sure which is also like in a weird way kind of great to prepare people if they went into tv or film because that is the job like learning to work a camera and it's not to a live audience which is a very different and also kind of strange because as a performer that's grown up or like always done live shows to then not have like an audience's reaction or like atmosphere and like that energy boost, you're not there for an applause, like you're there for filming a product for like millions or whoever to see afterwards. Ooh, yeah, we got, some of us got a lot better. We had to teach online. It was awkward at first. And you're like, some people would teach just to their phone. And most of the teachers were like, I'm engaging with you who are paying to take my class as a real person, not like I'm filming this just for, nothing so what was what was your first professional audition um when I was at college I auditioned for I don't know if you know Gail Davis her company's called CBG Inc choreography by Gail um she's based she's English but she's based in Vegas um 
and I went and did a cruise ship for her. Um, I did like, I think it was a 10 or 11 month contract. Um, but I mean, I'd always wanted to travel and um, the itinerary was great. And yeah, just kind of, I mean, I was, I just turned 20. So I was in rehearsals in, I was in London actually for rehearsals. And then I went and did um, that contract. Um, I mean, I, like I said earlier, I've been quite fortunate that a lot of my stuff has been through word of mouth or um, emails because I, other than, I mean, I auditioned at college for that and for Jean Anne. Um, and then I think I went to the live audition for Cunard and other bits that haven't, like Panda that I haven't done, but for work that I've actually done, I think I've done like three or four auditions. In That's amazing. Yeah. Once you get one of those jobs that's prestigious, people assume, okay, you're probably professional and good. Yeah. When you were going through college, did you have any idea, like it might be cruise ships or Paris or musical theater, or were you just open to anything or were you kind of tailoring down to something specific by the time you were done with school? I'd always wanted to travel. My, my parents were always very like avid travelers and very big on like, you need to travel and let's see as much of the world as you can. Um, so I knew that ships would be in there at some point. Didn't know if I would start with them, finish with them, do them in between other jobs. Um, I was very into musical theater. Um, I don't love singing, so that was always an issue, but for ensemble, and I did stay in London for a while and I got pretty close um, and I did book a few shows that I would have been like the next cast, but then the show closed. So like timing wise just never really worked out. Um, and then Paris, I learned more about in my like second and third year, we had um, a French boy in my year. Um, you might know him actually, he's at Lido now, Marlon Corbin. Um, he, his mum was, uh, um, was in cabarets. And so he kind of like was telling me all about like the traditional French cabaret and the cancan and like all the stuff that went with that. And I found it interesting, but I'd never really considered France or being a showboy like part of my plan. Um, and actually the way that it started was really strange. I had just finished my first ship and I was in London um, doing auditions for the West End and for UK tours. Um, and like always get into like the finals or like booking it and then the show not happening. And it was like, okay, I think I'm just gonna go on a vacation, take a little break. Um, and I went to Malta, my best friend from primary school's Maltese and I went out and we were there um, for two weeks and randomly I was on the beach and I got tagged in a Facebook post. Um, and it was looking for dancers for Royal Palace in Kia Villa near Strasbourg. And this woman, like one of my friends from college, um, she had tagged me in this post. And then um, Shay, who is an ex-Mulan dancer who runs Starlight Productions, um, she sent me a private message and was like, hey, have you got any stuff you can send me? Um, and I, I was on holiday, I didn't have my laptop or anything. I had like, I think a 10 or 13 second video of my like adage pas de deux from my ship, um, which I just sent over and like some photos and the next thing I knew I was getting an early flight back to London to pack up my apartment and <laughs> then drive to enough to unpack and repack and then I flew to Paris and then got the train to Strasbourg and then Monsieur Maire who owns um, Royal Palace came and picked me up and yeah like a week later we started rehearsals and I just kind of fell into 
being a showboy at Royal Palace. And then um, when we started rehearsals, um, they decided they were going to do a can-can that year. And then I got can-can soloist. And then it just kind of went from there. And then I met Megan and Leah and then just things just spiral. And as the years go yeah, on. Yeah, that's the best way because most of those dancers have done other shows. So then you find out what else there is. You just have to get your first show mm-hmm. to know all and all those connections are like really important how long did you do that show I did the full year so I um yeah the full season um and then obviously I know you spoke to Megan and Leah it was Leah's last year doing the show before she went to Lido and it was Megan's first ever job I think she was 18 or 19 she was a baby she spoke no French um no English at the time and then by the end she was fluent and wow um it was actually her that took me to Paris because she's from there and showed me uh she took me to Bonheur at the time, the Lido show, and then um, to Moulin, where her mum and grandma worked, um, and showed me Paris and the shows, which was great. Um, and kind of like opened my eyes to that side of the industry over there, because I was still so new and didn't really know of these shows and the history and what it was all about. And then, yeah. Because I'm, I'm booking, um, I got a I'm a hotel in Strasbourg and then we mm-hmm. have to rent a car because talking to Leah, cause I'm like, Oh, I'm so excited to see Royal palace in Strasbourg. Like, no, it's not. It's like, it's so secluded. So yeah, it's like your first job and there's nothing. Else. I think Leah even said she couldn't even find a good, a good pastry. Like right there, you have to go out. So you could live very secluded, but you had these people taking to Paris to get to see more of this cabaret world. Cause then you could probably just go and, just stay in a little bubble and it's probably wonderful your first job in this beautiful place yeah and I mean the good thing about Royal Palace is it's not like when you're in Paris it's not six days a week it's it's behind the bookings and stuff so there were some days that we would some weeks sorry that we would have like three or four days off um so I used to like fly home quite a lot I was learning to drive at the time um sometimes I would just stay and we would go to like Germany for a trip or we because it was so close to the German border um or yeah we from Ingvilla one of the villages near Kivilla it's like 20 minutes on the train to Strasbourg and then it's like two hours on the train from Strasbourg to Paris so we'd spend a lot of time like traveling around and also um Royal Palace is on the wine route if in Alsace in the Alsacian wine region so there was sometimes Leah drove and a lot of the others and we had a Canadian act so like sometimes we would all just like hire a car or get in one of the cars and like go and do wine tasting or like go and eat a load of cheese and when you're in France. It's great. <laughs> oh gosh. I love, I, cause when I worked on the ships, we'll get to ships pretty soon too. There were some people that just partied and mm-hmm. didn't see much else. And like in Bermuda, I saw every inch of that Island. And yeah. there were some people that wanted to do it. Some people, and there was a lot of, it was just people were young and partying and they wouldn't get up until four and then take a nap and then do the show. But I'm like, I'm only here this one time. And I just like, I was so excited to travel. So I love when the dancers, you get to get paid to dance and travel and see new places and meet different kind of people. I just think that there's this thing that I, in some ways is better than college as far as your education, because you're learning about the world by seeing it and experiencing it and talking to people that are different as opposed to, I learned social studies and don't know anything about these people, but I just think it's such a great education, but you have to make the time to get out and, and see where you are. Cause it'd be a shame to be, you know, in Paris and not see it or be on these great ports that you're in on the ship and not experience it. But some people that they're fine with that. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, I've definitely done a bit of both. Um, yeah, but I think yeah. the older you get, the more that you appreciate the moments that you did. Um, I mean, remembering a drunken night out or remembering the time that you went to like this chateau and like had a picnic and like did all these other things. Like, there's it's all good. <laughs> did you, did they offer you a contract at Royal Palace if you, or do you have to re audition when, when one show ends? What's that? situation like if who wants yeah, to stay or go or you have to re-audition every year I think it might be two years now when I was there they changed the show every year um but I believe it changes every two years now plus you do a Christmas oh. show um yeah so I mean um I just did the one year um and then I went I think I went back and did yeah I went and did another ship um but yeah, in between, I was lucky that I had made a really good relationship with Lisa Marie, the choreographer, um, and she's English. So we used to meet up in the UK and she asked me to assist choreograph um, nice. the year after that I'd left. Um, and I think I did it like three or four years of assisting. Oh. And it went from like a little section to like quite a few numbers, which was great for me. because I, I mean, I was only 20 two when I first did Royal Palace um so yeah um it was a great opportunity and like experience to have like a ditted at my toes in like a different side of the industry um, had you choreographed before like in college did you get to do that college, we we did do like choreography classes and stuff and we did like choreograph for our own like um assessments and bits and I mean I had choreographed a bit in Plymouth before going when I was like super young, like 15, 16. Um, but yeah, when, you, when you've already done a show and I mean, Royal Palace, I think is the third biggest cabaret in France or the world, like the, it's huge. When you go, you'll see it's yeah. like an arena instead of like a theater. And it's got this like huge club next to it now and like things have rebuilt, but uh, yeah, you don't eat in the same place that you watch the show. They have two separate restaurants and then you're escorted through to a massive theatre, um, which is beautiful and um, super modern and cool. But like, because I'd already done the show and worked on the stage, I, I already knew what it was like. So then being asked to assist choreograph and like throw my ideas out there. And there was even one time, I think I was on a ship contract and I like was sending footage of things that I've made up like via WeTransfer. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I love the choreographer and we're still in touch now. And yeah, I had a great contract and I loved working and like developing that side of choreography and creating, which I wouldn't have known unless she was like, hey, do you want to like just work out some boys thing for me? And then it just naturally like becoming more and more which is those shows are very different to choreograph for too. And you're dealing with those huge costumes or heels or sets. It's a, and, and even like Don, going back to Don Arden, who with, with the, mm -hmm. you know, Bluebell with, of how he moved people. Like there's just a different, different aesthetic yeah. to those kind of shows. So you have to, I think, be in it or at least see several to know. Cause I think if somebody tries to stick something super contemporary on there without an understanding of how staging and levels and patterns work, it would, it would not work. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, there's like a big difference, like costumes and the style, like you've seen my show on from Crystal Cruises at Icons, you would never put choreography on movement like that in a French right. cabaret. Um, <laughs> then also like dealing with like costumes, you said, like, for instance, sometimes there aren't costumes like Crazy Horse or like 
other cabarets when you have the lights being the costume. So then you have to think about other like obstacles that that's gonna create. So yeah, it was a great opportunity at like such a young age to like have the, the opportunity to try and see how I was at it. And yeah, I really enjoyed the four, the four years that I helped. Wow. So who comes to this show? Cause it is, it's, you have to trek. I mean, I don't know how many people come from Germany or, or is it tourists or is it locals or both? Cause you'd have to know it's there and leave Paris if that's what your destination is, or it's just that well known. I'm just really curious. Cause we're making a separate trip, you know, to spend the night. Uh-huh. So I don't want to just take a day trip and then turn around and come back. But I mean, I never knew of it, but then I didn't know a lot about the cabaret world until meeting like Megan and Leah and stuff so um probably that Royal Palace contract taught me the most um but I think there's there's always a lot of tours because there's like literally coach loads of people that they're coaches in a separate car park that come full of people and they come and do dinner in the show and then they go um but then there are a lot of like private cars and stuff as well when you go like before the show just pop around to the car park and see what the situation's like <laughs> but, um I think it is a mix um and now that I've worked there, so many people, whether I meet them on ships or in America, so they're like, oh, yeah, Royal Palace. And like, they seem to know of it. And I was like, maybe I just didn't. Or maybe it's getting bigger now, um, especially now that we have social media. I mean, back then it wasn't as big. So I yeah. just didn't really know. But yeah, I mean, it's a great contract. It's a new show. Well, it was every year. Now I think it's every two. Um, so yeah the the work keeps changing the costumes keep changing the choreography which as a performer I think is a great kind of contract to do and have yeah well because some of these shows run like well I think Nouvelle is it if it hadn't been for COVID I think it was like five or six Jubilee in Las Vegas ran for 34 years I was in Hello Hollywood Hello ran 11 I think it was a 10 million dollar costume budget alone but they like they're trying to get their money's worth but like if you have the same tourists coming back, maybe they want to see the show over and over, but it is nice if you're going to go back, like, oh, it's a new show. Cause I think when I even looked for tickets, it said new show yeah. for Royal Palace. So there's, I don't, I don't have anything to compare it to because I'm sure it's going to be wonderful. But I thought if I go back in two years, it might be fun if there's something different to see. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, it's nice with Cabaret that some shows do stay longer because of like, the tradition and, everything that yeah. goes with it and nostalgia you get watching it um some I think have gone a little too long without a revamp or yeah. a bit of new geography or some new music new music um, <laughs> yeah um I think that's a really special thing about Royal Palace in particular that it does change so often but still have elements of the tradition of French showgirls and showboys um which is super special to keep but um yeah. So what did you do after that? Did you, after seeing some of these shows with when they, when you guys were going to Paris, were there some like, that's what I want to do? Or are you just open to more shows? Cause I'm just curious with between Paris and cruise ships of how, you mm-hmm. know, there's just this, sometimes a fluidity, like you can come and go and come and go because you're all going to end up, you know, overlapping as dancers and finding more jobs, or you can always go back to another one if you left on good terms, but yeah, you just kind of going with whatever came up. I always want, I always want, I didn't want to ever get complacent. That was my thing. Like I get bored very easily. I've always had a short attention span, even in like school. (laughs) Um, So for me, like doing 
that show for a year, I was like ready. And even though they were bringing a new show in, I was like, do I want to spend another year out in the village of Kier Villa? And like, yeah, like the show will change and some of the people will change. Um, and I think the thing that helped the most, um, Leah was going to do Lido and Sarah, one of my other friends was going to do something else. And um, I think, I can't remember what Megan was, oh, Megan was going to Cirque de Vere, I think at the time. Um, so yeah, I mean, my main group of people were like going and doing different things. And I was like, I think part of me still wanted to try musical theatre. Um, and I was like, you always leave a contract or I always try to on like the best of terms. So the doors always open. Um, and I went back to London and just started auditioning again. And um, I mean, I, I was only there two weeks and then my friend, Sarah, who actually was on the Royal Palace contract with me, she, she'd done the Lido tour in Russia. And she was like, oh, there's this cruise ship auditioning coming and it's a world cruise. Like, I know you've just got back and you want to do a musical, but you should come, like treat it as a free class. And we can go get lunch and do cocktails after. And I was like, okay, yeah, like I've got the day off work. Like, it'll be like something fun to do, we'll catch up. Um, well, I went to the audition, I think six hours later, I walked out with the contract. Um, <laughs> and it was on like a Wednesday and I started rehearsals on the Friday. And I actually rang Lisa Marie, the choreographer of Royal Palace. And I was like, should I take it, shouldn't I take it? And she was like, well, like, what do you want to do kind of thing? Um, and I was like, well, I wanted to try for like musicals in London and or a tour or maybe like when Moulin or Lido have an audition, like go to Paris and audition for them. Um, but it's a world cruise and like, the money's really good. And I always wanted to travel. And she was like, the West End, a UK tour, Lido and Moulin aren't going anywhere. Mm. Go on a cruise, like go travel, have that experience. <sighs> it's going to be six months of your life and then you'll come back and you can do it then. Um, so I did, I took, I went and worked for Cunard on QM2, um, did that world cruise for six months. Um, yeah. And then when I was in rehearsals for that, um, so I think I was it like two or three weeks into rehearsals um, and Gina rang me and Gina <laughs> was like, I've got a contract for you again because obviously I was working when she offered me my first one on my first ship and then I was in Paris um, and I was like I'm in rehearsals <laughs> like the timing's just never seeming to yeah. work out and she was like okay when do you finish and I think it was like July and she was like, I've got another one in September. If I hold it for you, will you do it? And like, I was like, uh, yeah, okay, sure. And then just on my word, she like held this contract for me. So I went into my like two or three month rehearsals. Um, and then I did the six month world. Um, well, I did three months of transatlantic Southampton to New York, then did a four month world cruise on it. And then I had like two months off, two and a half months. And then I flew to Fort Lauderdale and started my rehearsals with Gina. So it's just like from that, it was like one thing just kind of booked itself. It's so, it's such a different life. And people want to know, like, I get out of college, I do this. And then I have a secure till I don't want it. Like the, almost everybody I've talked to, it's like, there's some that you had to wait for so long for it to line up. And some like, you need to be here in two days. You have to leave everything, pack up your apartment. And it go, you have to be ready to go. Because if you, if you can't do that, you're going to miss out on so many jobs. Because if you want everything lined up, you kind of have to be ready to just cut ties and go. And with Gina, I think I had to wait a few times because my contract didn't line up. And then she, I was working in Montreal. She came up and did an audition because I kept wanting to audition. She said, I'll come up there if there's good dancers. I go, there's great 
great dancers. So uh-huh. she did the audition. Then she came and saw me in the show. And then I think, yeah, it was finally lined up. It had to be my head contract. And then I was on the ship trying to get in with the contract in Bermuda. And it was just like, they'd offer and I'd be in the middle. I was done. They didn't have a job. And then it finally lines up and you go, go right now. This yeah. thing is open. Don't be crazy. In this industry as well is sometimes it's not about your talent or how you look. Sometimes it is literally just down to timing and the look yeah. that comes with the timing of the job being available, what's happening, being in the right place at the right time, um, which is crazy. But then sometimes it works out for the best. Um, it's always super hard when you get a contract offer that is a great offer and you're under contract already. And then you have that decision of, do you risk it and wait? Or should you maybe try and end as, on best terms as you can, but early and then take what you really want to take? Um, I mean, at the end of the day, you are your own business. Like your body is your industry and like you are your own business person. Um, so yeah, I mean, I've dealt, dealt with that situation a few times, but it's it's always nice when the timing's right and everything just lines up perfectly. Yeah, because there's times I remember like I had to hang out for two months, go back home, which is really hard if you've been out adulting for a while and to go back to your home, go in your own bedroom in your parents' house and like wait. Like I have something's coming at two months. And I, I think for me, every time I go home, it was harder and harder because I was just ready to go. And, you know, when you go back to your small towns and your friends are all gone, it was just like, okay, I'm really ready, ready, ready. And then when you finally get to go, yeah, so, so you have to, you have to adapt. So Jean Han, did she choreograph back? Cause she choreographed some of our show and then she'd bring in choreographers. And I think, you know, as years went on, she, I don't know if she did any choreography. There's a jar move that people know. It's the jar, the Jean Han Ryan move that I think it's, it's kind of like almost every decade, like I did that move, but I don't know if that's a true oh, thing yeah. anymore. Well, um, I'm not sure if she had choreographed like the shows we're in. I think it might've been a mix of some of her choreography as well as choreographers that she'd brought in um but again her shows were like challenging super varied um yeah yeah it was actually really funny because obviously I was talking earlier about Megan how she introduced me to like her family and like the world of cabaret when I was like 22 and she was 19 um but then she had gone to Jean Anne as well I think she did Oceania and I was on Regent and um we I think she was in set up or something somehow it had crossed over but we were in the same port on the same day but we had our like install of our like film flashback show so it was like a show tribute to like all the movies um like fame and flash dance oh fun those are good dance shows dancers dreams super dancey and um gina managed to get them all on for the day so she came on and watched our like install tech run and stuff so I got to catch up with her which was amazing um but yeah no the shows were all good I think we only had three or four um but yeah no I loved it and yeah I mean almost like the cabaret world you always seem to bump into a Gina and Ryan dancer you always oh, know oh. <laughs> that's a big percentage of people I mean I've talked to other cruise ship dancers but most of them are Gina Ann Mm-hmm. And I'm actually going to reach out to her because I kept in contact for quite a while. Like she had me go out and set a show quite a few years after I had re- retired from those shows and kept yeah. in contact. And so I want to interview her because a lot of people attribute their showgirl introduction to, to Jean Ann because there usually was a showgirl style number in at least one of the shows. If you did a few shows 
on the run. So a lot of girls who'd never done the feathers and how to walk and all that, they go, Oh, I learned that by working for Gina. So I was more prepared to go to Paris or Vegas. And yeah. And I mean, even if there wasn't like a showgirl element to the show or a certain number and it like, I had a lot of like classical Broadway shows and stuff that were on my Gina and Ryan contract, but she's known for hiring that typical body type. Like you're, they're all, legs to their neck and tall beautiful showgirls or showboys like she definitely had like a type of um dancer that she employed um which i think is why especially in paris and america when there was jubilee and stuff like so many of us were like oh yeah i worked for gina oh, i think it's like a running thing of like yeah when i did it there's only four dancers two singers i'm five i was five nine and my opposite was like five three it was the weirdest thing. And with my headpiece, I had touched the ceiling because this was more, it wasn't on the built stage. It was more like the dance floor was a small show. And then there was other shorter girl. I was a giant and I had come from being a bluebell and the t- I was a short one in a bluebell. And I was just this Amazon. I was as tall as the, I don't think the male singer was a little bit taller than me, but it, it definitely was not a, a showgirl look and, and like body type even in that, in that show. So I was, I was an anomaly. <laughs> That's crazy because like everyone that I know or everyone that I've worked with that is ex-Gina and um well Leah, Megan are both Gina and they're my height without heels. So yeah, yeah, yeah. With eleven and a half. So they're like on par with me and then they put on three inch heels and they're but then they are even taller than some that I've worked with. Um but yeah, no, everyone I know, especially the girls, have all been super tall and leggy she was in seattle and her and howard said we're in town for the launching because seattle became more of a port for cruise ships to alaska so she said you want to and i just love gina like i hadn't talked to her for years do you want to have dinner with us and see the show so i was their guest and Mm. they did a show and it was a real stage like we didn't have a real stage and i was like oh definitely the shows have gotten a lot more sophisticated and then there's rigging for like aerial work and there's we didn't even have dressing rooms. Ours is where the Pac-Man machine was. They'd put a curtain in and we have our luggage. And so like, oh, you guys have dressing rooms with mirrors. And so definitely was very different on the small ships in the eighties, but it was really great to go back like 15 years later and say, and these were like dancers who had been on Broadway and they had a Fosse thing in the show. I'm like, Ooh, gosh, this would be like super fun and classy. So I know that the ships have changed the styles of, because the more everybody gets better, everybody else has to also get better to stay in competition. Yeah to get these uh, dancers i think with like the aerial and stuff like that was predominantly gina who started it like that's what i know her for is that she's the one that took circus acts and aerialists and specialty like whether it was ballroom or whatever and put them on ships so i think she like was the first one to like kind of mix that kind of thing and like one of my best friends on my my Gina and contract Poppy she had left Moulin Rouge to come and do the Gina and Ryan contract and then she finished Gina and went to Lido in the new show so like that whole thing of like Gina and the showgirls being simultaneous I think is definitely true maybe in the later years um but yeah no the way that even ships have changed and progressed in the past few decades is incredible like rotating shows pyrotechnics aerialists stages yeah. that do all these incredible things now I think guests expect that where before, mm-hmm. like I t- told you before, we, like we had just two seatings, first sitting, second seating dinner. They'd have hamburgers and sandwiches, through, but it's not like on the ship that I was on that you were on that the best restaurants 
oh, they're just amazing. And people are, you know, they're, they're getting really great food. They're getting good service. And so the show, I think the expectation of people that cruise, because when I was on the symphony, a lot of those people have done many, many, many cruises. They keep coming back and keep coming back. Yeah. So I just think people are a little more savvy of what is good entertainment and they want to see that higher caliber. So I think that that's really good for the dancers. You know, that most of the things out there now, you're not going to be like, Oh God, this is hokey or like not very good. No, for sure. And I mean, especially with like those six star luxury branded cruise ships and cruise lines, they are the guests. They expect a certain level not just with the food or the itinerary and the service, but with their entertainment. Um, Say like, not just from our shows, but like the guest entertainers that they bring on are normally Broadway stars or people that have won talent contests and stuff like, all different. I mean, but in general, I think the whole cruise industry has like stepped up. Like I know from when I worked for NCL, I did a book musical for them. Like I know Royal Caribbean also have book musicals. So like, they're taking Broadway and West End shows now and putting them onto um, ocean liners, which is great. Cause I mean, if you're going on holiday and you want like to see something other than a movie in the cinema, which you can just do all the time, it's, it really elevates that vacation, I think for the guests. Well, and I think as a dancer too, cause the review shows are so much fun. Like mm-hmm. I've done a best of Broadway or through the decades or around the world. Like you get to be like, a different character every number but a book show I think also prepares you for more things because yeah. you get to do a whole story and you get to like I don't know what I mean it seems like you would be really equipped to go to New York or LA or the West End to audition after you've done one of those because you're working with such high level of choreographer yeah. director well, I mean, other dancers that you're definitely gonna it's such a I don't know why more people don't do ships I think I'm trying to get our Seattle people Dude, yeah, this is setting you like up for so much more like, I think there was a lot of stigma back in the day. Like, even when I was in training, it was like, oh, a cruise ship. And it was kind of looked down on more so than like Broadway in the West End or Paris. Um, but I mean, like, I mean, I spoke to you a little bit before about it. And when um, my outlook was always like, I wanted to travel, I wanted to see the world. Um, And when you live in London, New York or Paris, you're paying so much in rent and then you've got your travel and your food and all of this. So like on a ship, when you get paid tax free money to go and perform, see the world. And it's good money on a lot of these cruise lines now, like the pay isn't what it used to be like. I mean, I I told you before I worked for Crystal for a year and I bought a house in England. Um, One year, off of one year. One, oh my yeah. gosh. And we had talked before we recorded too. Like, I think Vegas was the only way that that could happen. Maybe the eighties right. or nineties, because the cost of living was so low and mm-hmm. they got paid well. And there's not a lot to spend your money on unless you're gambling, but yeah. like New York, I know people that they make such a good money, such good money on Broadway, but their rent and the cost of living is so high that it's kind of a, a wash. Yeah, and cruise cool. ships is one of those very rare places that you could buy a house. I mean, I think I've never heard anybody that did ships because I, you want how much I made in 1982 on the cruise ship? $250, $250 a week. Oh, wow. <laughs> Has it gone up? Has it gone up just a little bit? Just, just a little. Um, I couldn't buy a house. <laughs> but no, like would, money, travel aside, like the way that the cruise ship industry has gone as well, like with all these variety shows and these book shows, 
the people you also get to work with are like second to none. Like, uh, I mean, I did Swing the Musical, an original Broadway show, and I worked with the choreographer and director from Broadway, who is also the choreographer and director of Footloose. Like, you work with these amazing people. I did Blazing Boots for NCO, and um, that was choreographed by Chase Benz, who is Brittany and JLo's choreographer. So I'm like, you work with all these other people and you're doing just as interesting and cool work, but you're being paid to travel the world and you don't really have any outgoings other than what you spend in poor and whatever skills you have at home. So I think it's, a, it's the best of both, but like I've done ships and then Paris and then ships and then London. And like, I never just did one, like I always mix it. Oh, okay, like, yeah. Telling you a little bit since Crystal has now um, well, kind of stopped and halted operations because um, Gens and the owning company has got filed for liquidation. Um, I had to think to myself, like with the uncertainty of what was going to happen, what did I want to do next? And initially I was like, oh, like I'll probably do another ship and like just make sure like I'm financially like really comfortable and then see if I want to like try London again or maybe go back to Paris and audition. Um, and I think I was home for like four or five days, I'd gone down to the South to see my parents and my agent in London rang me and I booked two movies. So now I'm staying in the UK and doing something completely different again, which is fun because I mean, I think as a performer, the work has to stay interesting. You wanna keep learning and growing. And I think once, if you get past that and you just, you're just doing the job because it pays the bills, then it's probably time to hang your fish and retrain yeah. something else. Well, I did see, like, when I was on the ship, there were people that were on there for years and years. And I think for some of them, it was so scary to get off because you have built, like, this this nice community and to go back and, like, it's always a shock after being on a ship, too. Like, a lot of us have said, like, I have to buy my own toilet paper and I have to pay bills. And, <laughs> yeah, like, oh, it's like, oh, am I ready for this? Um, some No, I had to make my own bed. Um, but yeah. it was it was interesting to if you stay on too long it's hard to get off and it can be wonderful but some people that really was their home that was their family and then it was just a really hard transition after doing it for so many years but it feels yeah. like the way you did it was kind of fun you can mix it up and you're still growing and you're getting to see different things and yeah and I mean even after I'd I had done a couple of contracts with NCL um I found myself doing the same track in the same shows um not getting boring but I just I wasn't being challenged until physically it just became the norm yeah. um much like when I was at Nouvelle you're doing the same show six nights a week sometimes twice or three times a night um and yeah like if I ever find myself thinking about other things than enjoying the job like whilst on stage I'm like okay <laughs> Try something oh, different. yeah it's like when um, you can figure out what you're gonna have for dinner afterwards while yeah. you're lifting someone <laughs> yeah. in the air <laughs> what am I gonna do in port tomorrow yeah right so, where does uh, love fit in there because that, that's you went back to Paris and again it's like once you have one contact it's not too hard to find more jobs uh, what all did I do I did my first cruise in Royal Palace then assisted with choreography then I did Cunard then I assisted with Royal Palace again then I did Jean Anne and then I was working in England on a new um, show for Royal Palace. I think it was like 2016 or 17. And I had taken a break um, 
like a six month to a year break from performing um, for like my personal life and what I was kind of doing then. And when I was ready to go back to performing, it was like winter season and I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. And then um, some of my friends from Paris were like Nouvelle Ever auditioning, like you should just come back. Like it'd be great to have you in Paris and like whatever. And I, I came over, I was, I planned to come over for my birthday in February anyway. So I would, and it like fell into it so I think I just extended my trip a bit and I was staying at Leah's and um I had like a week vacation just catching up with everyone seeing the shows and then I went and did the audition um for Nouvelev and yeah I got back to Leah's I was about to get ready I think I was watching Lido that night and Adrian the owner rang me and asked me if I could start at the end of March or April time um so yeah, and he offered me um, cover Can Can Soloist again. So I went back and did Nouvelev um, for the 2017 season, I think it was 16 or 17. And then, um, yeah, at the end of it, I, oh, I'd just done the lead audition and um, I'd gotten to like the final four and Jane, who obviously was Megan's stepmom. So I knew, I've known her for a while. Um, was really complimentary and like gave me feedback and I was it's kind of that limbo of sometimes what it's like after an audition you're waiting to mm-hmm. hear um and then Crystal had offered me I think my second or third offer um but I was still under my Nouvelle contract and then when that came to an end um they had filled the spot with Crystal and then I went and contacted NCL because for Gina and Ryan, I was on Regent and I wanted to go back to like, the luxury brand of cruise lines. Um, and NCL had bought Oceana and Regent at that time from Prestige. So I sent my stuff to them and then went back to Regent for NCL. And then that just kind of tied in the book musical for NCL because from that contract, they were like, will you come back and do this ship? So then I went and did um, one of the Norwegian ships. And then I got another offer from, um, from Crystal and I was like this is the fourth offer like if I don't take it they're pursuing you um (laughs) always for slightly different positions um but I think the thing that really got me with this offer is they'd offered me um cover dancer which isn't a position I've heard of anywhere else um so basically I'm a swing but instead of swinging like the the tracks of the boys on one ship you swing both ships um and yeah, so you're basically at home on a retainer. And when they need you, they fly you out. You fill in for however long or whichever track they need you to be. And then when the person that's either sick or injured or the, if they've resigned, when the new person fills, you go back home and wait for your next one, which was good for me because like I said, I hate getting bored of the work and I want to keep mentally active as well as like physically yeah. enjoy- work that I'm doing um so I mean at the time I think there was 17 shows I mean some of the shows were the same but because the stages on the two ships are completely different you're blocking and spacing it I count them as separate shows so I think it was like 17 shows and there was uh four male dancer slash singer dancer tracks so yeah I used to cover all of them man I could see like because when I did the ships was one show if you're mm-hmm. covering, but to do that many shows, because they are there, there was a lot of hard dancing in those shows. I think 
there was something that was kind of that happened a few times when I watched it. It was a, I think it was the icon one. There was a couple almost like mishaps of people in different spots, and I'd see you guys kind of like like kind of nod to each other to pass each other. I'm like, well, yeah, if you're a swing, you like even just how much spacing and, and position and all that, you can know the choreography, but that's not that big a stage. I was watching a couple of times where somebody would just almost not crash. That's, that's over dramatic, but mm-hmm. I just like, wow, that's a lot when you're coming in and you're not doing the show all the time. Cause even if you've been gone for a while, just, you know, patterns might be a little bit different and to know exactly where to be on a ship that moves. Yeah, I mean, thankfully on on that ship, we always have a tech run. So the day of the show, we always we always run it. We don't have to do it full out, but lifts yeah. have to happen. That partner work has to happen. Um, being in the right space and lighting wise and technical side has to work. Um, which for my position, I'm super grateful for. Um, also, like I have, I think over a hundred videos of every show plus black and whites. Um, so like just filmed in a white light, just so no, no stage lights happening, everyone in different colored t-shirts. So a lot of my time <sighs> becoming self-review. Um, right. And yeah, especially after the pandemic, um, uh, half the casts on both of the ships were new. Like, so they were new hires. So I went out initially for three months and helped our director, um, help teach and help demonstrate and partner because um, they brought like a lot of the new people before the rest of the old cast. And then we had like the whole setup period together once everyone kind of knew what was going on. Um, so I was lucky that I got to help with the setup and the install of that. And then it kind of gave me some, some breathing time to get the shows back in my body after 15 months off. And then, yeah, um, I ended up becoming the permanent swing until that position was um filled so yeah each month when one boy went on vacation I would switch track and then do that for a month and then the other person would go on vacation I'd switch track again oh wow um, so that was a good way to like keep it fresh and to keep it in there was definitely never a dull moment doing that oh job. my gosh well because like if there's a swing you have to be right there in the neighborhood basically but you could be back home because they don't port out the same, like they, they go out of New York and know. Miami, so they could fly you. You just had to be ready to go. Yeah, the, the ship was. Truth is, that's especially one of the, the things that I love. There is no home port or someplace that they come back to. Um, they constantly travel around the world. So they could be in like Europe for four months and then they go to like Australia for two months. Like they would keep if, yeah. different areas of the world. Um, but yeah, so when I was at home, I would have to still spend some time every now and then just like, but then you never know which track you're going to be called to fill. So it's like, which right. one to look at and which shows, um, which ship. Um, but then sometimes you, I've been in the situation where I'll be on an assignment on one of the ships and something will happen on the other ship and they will need to like fly me to the other ship from that ship. So there's one time oh my gosh. I've- I was just about wow. to finish covering on Symphony and I was there. Um, we were in Japan and I think I needed to get to Serenity, which was in Barcelona. But the only way that they could, I could fly and get there in time was to go from Nagasaki to Tokyo, Tokyo to Doha, Doha to like Frankfurt, Frankfurt to Barcelona. And then I got on the ship, but I was delayed. So I'd missed the tech run. I got on the ship and did two Broadways that night. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, so sometimes it's like a little crazy, but for the most part, they try and give you as much as a heads up as possible. 
Oh my gosh. Well, and I think when I was on, I went on for, I was on there for Thanksgiving. Cause I remember having like, I didn't care about Turkey or any American tradition of Thanksgiving, but I had like the best Japanese food. And I can't remember that, that restaurant name. Yeah, so that's one of the things I think if Crystal doesn't come back that I'll miss the most is uh, Umi Uma. Which Umi, oh my gosh. The, the Japanese restaurant that's actually by Nobu. So people that know Nobu sushi restaurants around the world, we had them on board. Um, but it wasn't Nobu prices. <laughs> it was all inclusive. <laughs> that was the thing. That came, like, <laughs> if you want champagne, because normally I'm like, well, how much does it cost? Like, if I look at the menu, I'd like, well, I can't have that. Like, okay, I'll have lobster. Would you like some more? I'm like, this is such an interesting way to <laughs> to live. Yeah, but I, I think when I went out, it was one of the first. I mean, I wasn't the first, but I don't think it had been back for very long. When did when did the cruises start happening again during the pandemic? Because I was in November, and I don't think they'd had that many. After the pandemic, I went I went out to help set up the shows June June fourth, so June, July, August. So they would have resumed either the end of August or beginning of September. Yeah, it wasn't that long. And I yeah. think they said they were, the, they were the first ones to come back out of the pandemic. I remember the cruise director saying that. It was one of the first, or maybe the first ones out of New York. That's what it was. Yeah, we were the first cruise ship to, to um, operate out of New York after the pandemic. Um, but yeah, we started, I think, doing Boston to Bermuda, and then we switched to New York to Bermuda, and then... Um, as we continued with, we then started doing like the Caribbean itinerary, um, which was great. And then, yeah, everything kind of got halted and is still up in the air, I guess, at the moment. Because yeah. I just, I think I saw it in the news and then Tammy told, sent me a, a thing to look at it because I was all excited. I was so excited for the Mediterranean, but it's different for me. But for you guys, how, how did that go down? Because you're hearing this information, this is I don't know if there was any clue that this might happen, but it seems like it would be real, especially since you've got this nice community. It's not just about your job. It's like, yeah, dispersing I mean, I everything. That with Crystal, like it is kind of the only contract like that at sea. We, I mean, we, the people that work there, past included, work exclusively for Crystal. So we were on permanent contracts, like a job on land. Um, yeah. I mean, the dancers would do four months on board, one month vacation. The singers used to do three months on, three months off, and we all they would all rotate. That's um, amazing. And for me as a cover, I would be on a standby at home and then on the ship as and when needed. Um, so you go back to the same people, the same people that work in all different departments. Um, so it was really like a family, and you made, I made some of like the best friends for life on there. Um, same as when you work and live in Paris um except just on a, a floating hotel in the ocean <laughs> um, but it was it was crazy I mean we had the announcement saying that, uh, that originally it was we were leaving American waters and heading back to Bohemian waters and we were like okay um not sure why and then obviously the news broke and uh, pretty much as soon as it did the captain came over the PA and kind of explained what was happening and I know all the guests were um, contacted via their like staterooms and stuff and um, yeah I mean as the updates happened in real life we kind of found out either just before or as they were happening or sometimes just after depending on when we heard and when they heard um, but yeah the umbrella company filed for liquidation and this whole mess of things happened and then um, I was supposed to leave um, 
the end of January. And I mean, I was packed and ready to go on the gangway. Well, I was on the way to luggage inspection to go to the gangway. And obviously we're still in COVID times. My PCR test came back positive. So I had to stay on board and then isolate for the 11 days. Um, um, which Where's was, it Bimini? Where were you guys, Bimini or? We had left Bimini and we had gone and anchored in Freeport. So we had, we had disembarked all of our guests and sent them home um, from that cruise. And then we, we had just gone just crew and engineers, etc. And we'd anchored in Freeport, the two ships, um, with the other super yacht on its way up to us to all just have the fleet anchored off of Freeport. And then the ships who were in charge of dealing with everything going on now would like just come on and leave as they kind of needed. Um, but yeah, so I ended up having to then isolate and then kind of I got out of my isolation and then I had to wait until then it was like we were sending people home as and when they could um so yeah and then I was like first or second on the list because I was already due to go on my vacation um but, I mean they looked after us all they chartered a plane from Freeport to Miami and then flew me Miami back to London and London to Manchester where I now live um oh, that's good. So they really took care of us um and they honoured our contracts, which were great. So, I mean, just like when the pandemic hit, we all got our payouts as we should have done. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I never had oh. I loved my time there. And That's so good to hear because, yeah, like, right. what if they're to see you guys stranded. So how, was anybody else sick? Were you just, who was else while well, you're isolating in Fremont in the ocean on a ship with COVID? Were you sick, sick or just tested positive? No, I tested positive and then I went into my isolation. The next day when I woke up, I, it wasn't like a sore throat. It kind of felt like someone was just pushing on my windpipe, like ever so gently. Like I knew it was there, but it didn't, it wasn't like tonsillitis or anything. Like when it hurts to swallow and your throat gets inflamed, like it was just like a weird pressure sensation there. And then that was it. And then I slept for like three days and I normally sleep like, six seven hours but I was sleeping like 13 hours and napping on top of it oh um, wow but no I could I could eat I was I felt fine um luckily they, do they um, have food on there there's still like people were still on preparing food or like I'm just picturing everybody's off uh, in here you know they moved me to one of the guest rooms so I had a guest suite the whole time that I was there I mean I have my on crystal we all have our own rooms anyway right. so I'm not sure why I went from crew area to guest but <laughs> it was nice to have a bath <laughs> Um, yeah, so, and then they would deliver my rooms and ring the doorbell for breakfast, lunch and dinner every day. And if I needed tea or coffee, I could just call room service and they deliver it to the door and then ring the bell and then run away. So I was- That sounds like a good way to isolate. That's like- I mean, it was, I had no complaints except I turned 30 whilst I was in isolation. Oh no. So, oh. Bless my cast. They all came to like the window and like had a massive banner and were waving to me. Um, oh my god once I got out so it was okay wow and then oh sorry go ahead no and I I waited like I think like three or four weeks and obviously that was a bit strange because it was just crew on board but I mean we were in the Bahamas we would just sunbathe all day and swim in the pool and then wait for my time to fly home and then yeah 
and, mm-hmm. and nobody know, knew or probably still knows if it's coming back. So you're leaving going, we don't know this may, well, it's kind of like COVID when everything closed, like we don't know, but yeah. with this situation, I mean, you got, it's, it's going to survive. The different people that are interested and in other companies that are interested. I don't know if or when more information will happen. Um, but I mean, for me, I've always been that way that I'm like, if it comes, I'm always like, plan for the worst and hope for the best. Yeah, um, yeah. If I ever get that phone call and it does come back, then great. But I'm also very thankful and lucky that a few days after being home, I got offered these two feature films. So different sides. Let's talk there. about that. Let's. How did that happen? And what is it? Um, I can't say too much because I've signed an NDA um, okay. for both of them. I'll have to come back on next year when I can talk about. Yeah, them. absolutely. It'd be really fun to, um, to celebrate a release. But yeah, no, I'm, my agent was just contacted, um, I think four or five days after I got back and she just rang me and she was like, this company is really interested in you for these two feature films. Um, both of them are all star casts, um, famous directors. They're both due to come out in 2023. Um, Are you available these dates? And obviously I just got back and I had lost my permanent contract that I'd had for the past three years and was like, yep, I'm I'm free actually. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, so I just wrapped up on Monday, um, finishing one of them um, and now I've got two weeks off and then I'm back on set and then that takes me up until like the end of May on and off it's sporadic dates dancing and stunts it's dancing oh awesome wow I'm in one and then dancing and stunts in another that is so cool. I will just so you as soon as I'm allowed to tell you the titles. Oh, <laughs> I will absolutely. And we'll make sure we share it because anything that has dance coming out, because I feel like there's not that, like West Side Story, I was so sad it came out in a pandemic and there was yeah. five of us in the theater and I'm crying. It was so good. And then I watched it, you know, it's up for, uh, for Academy Award, but I don't know how many people saw it. And so it's just like, we're so hungry and then also I was on the ships (laughs) and then like we couldn't get off and just go to the to the movies and to the cinema to see stuff because of where we were like I don't even know cinema and (laughs) some of the ports we were in um but yeah I literally saw it I think two or three weeks ago on Disney plus Um, yeah I mean, I loved it and thought it was incredible, but it's just never the same as having the whole like IMAX experience. Right. Yeah. I saw in the big theater, then I saw the smaller, but I think dance movies, I don't know what we've been going through this last couple of years. It just feels like we need kind of like those old movies, you know, that old golden era of the movie where during the wartime or whatever, like the, the musicals, the dance things is what gets us out of, I don't want to say any more depressing movies or yeah series of like like, the celebration of dance and moving and all of that stuff instead of um more downtime that we've already had from the pandemic for sure is needed yeah well then you've got like and and you had I have this much work coming which is so great as you wait and you know maybe if crystal comes back or other things it gives you something new exciting that challenges you yeah I mean so many connections if you wanted to go back it's like this is a great way to take a break and do something different yeah because initially I was like okay panic mode like I've lost my like security blanket of income um and then I think everything happens for a reason as well um it's my 
best friend from primary school is her Hendu next month and then on the 8th of May is her wedding which has been pushed like two and a half years because of Covid um because she didn't want to downsize the wedding um yeah and then I mean I got Celine Dion tickets for my mum two years ago at Christmas and because of the pandemic it's been pushed and pushed and that's on the 29th of May. So these two movies just, they came at the perfect time because it allows me to be home and all of the dates fall on my days off. So the days off oh. are like the hands and then the wedding and then Celine Dion. So, I mean, I'll look at what I want to do after sometime in June, whether it means going back to Paris for a few auditions or contacting a few cruise companies. Um, but that's what is also kind of interesting and nice about our industry is it's never your, well, what seems mundane to me is your regular nine to five or doing the same thing day in, day out. Yeah. <laughs> I have friends that love that and they don't understand how I could be okay with not knowing now. I mean, I have a dance studio and we've gone up and down, but when I was dancing professional, that was scary to people that want security. Like, but what's your next thing? I go, I'll figure it out. And and there's people that's a certain personality type that is just not going to work. Yeah, and I, I like that. And I, I, think- <laughs> I respect them thinking, wow, like that's cool that you literally work all year round and wait for your vacation time. And like do that, like for me, like I did it in the pandemic. I worked as an office manager for 15 months. And as much as I'm thankful to have that job and it paid my mortgage and it allowed me to work from home, um, it also made me realize that I'm going to hold on to performing and to be in this industry as long as yeah. possible. Uh, I remember when someone, my, my husband had suggested that I get a, a regular job so you can have insurance. And I just cried. I'm like, I, like just the thought of nine to five every day. I'm like, I know people do this, but people like that kind of, a, you know, they don't, they wouldn't like not knowing if you had a job in two months, but for yeah. some people that, that mundane is really hard. And so sometimes we transition, maybe our youth, when we got to go do everything and we get older, like, I do want to yeah. say like, when I was 20 on the ship, I was like, I got to go do this. I got to do this. And I was frustrated that I couldn't do things on the ship. When I mm-hmm. went out this last time, I read three books and I go have the tea and like, I'm going to watch the sunset in this chair. And tomorrow I'm going to sit that I'm at the age where I could cruise professionally and just yeah. like, enjoy that kind of a pace. Cause I would like, I'm going to take a nap and then go see the show. And then I'm, you know, I had those three days in Bermuda. And would, if you remember that, that was like raining sideways, crazy. Oh, like yeah. all the tours were canceled. And I was like living to be in Bermuda. So I actually rented a moped because I used to live there. So I, first thing I did, I had a moped ready to go, went out in the rain that I was just like, I couldn't even see it was raining so hard. And like a car would go by and just splash. I was just drenched. I'm like, but I'm in Bermuda and I went to the beach. So happy to be no, there. I was so happy to be there. And there was not one person on the beach. All the big places that like Horseshoe Bay, which is usually all the yeah. cruise ship people go there. That's the place they take them. I always go past that. I don't know if you've explored Bermuda, but if you go over a couple more, there's all these small beaches that no one goes to. Yeah. I actually did like a hike from um, Horseshoe with some other cast when we were there on a nice day and we were doing all the coves along um that's the best part of it. That South shore, all those like little interconnected and there's nobody. So just the fact that I got to go to Bermuda on a ship and then like I was freezing cold from being rained on. And I was sure I was going to go to my favorite restaurant. I was like, wait, I can go eat this really great food on the 
ship and be warm. I'm going to do that. <laughs> so yeah. and, it's just, free. <laughs> and it's free. I was kind of like, I kind of get the appeal why people, when they do go into port, like they could eat in port, but it's like, yeah, but there's good food on the ship. So I just have one more question because there was some really rough weather when we were leaving. And I remember they do the announcement, like we're coming into some rough seas. Cause I remember being on a couple ships post hurricane, like you, we'd sail after the hurricane, but the waters were rough mm-hmm. and they have the barf bags in line in the hall and you could hear it. And we would do a show anyway. And the ship was rocking. And I remember being on stools and the stools were tipping over like, this is insane. But I didn't, I was kind of prepared to feel sick, but I didn't feel it. I felt like it was rough, but it had fun. I actually like falling asleep with the rolling waves. It was kind oh, of yeah, no, it definitely helps me comforting. Well. And then they yeah. get back like a week of that. I was like, well, I need some movement. Cause after living on a ship for seven months, I, I didn't know how to sleep without a rocking ship. Mm-hmm. But did you ever have, cause the show happened then. I, I don't think they canceled the show. I feel like the show happened, but it I just was, I remember being a dancer. I feel like you guys didn't struggle as much maybe it wasn't as rough but did you ever have some of those where it was pretty insane of trying to dance because you guys are doing hard dancing you're doing like double pirouettes and the guys are doing like some pretty cool jumps if the if the ship comes up because I remember doing a cartwheel and the ship would go down and you would be like an extra foot or you jump and the ship would come up and kind of yeah yeah that one hurts um but no I mean We've definitely done it in some super rough seas. Um, but I mean, we always kind of, if we have to call it, we'll call it. And, and so we won't count, cancel a show completely. We would postpone it and we would reshuffle. Like we'd put on a guest entertainer that sat down singing or playing the piano that night. And we would do it like the next night if, if it came to that. Yeah. But I mean, nine times out of 10, we would adjust partnering. I know you've seen icons in concert. Yeah. Like, partnering and lifts that yeah. go on show um we would adapt some of the lifts of the partnering I mean if it was really bad we would put the girls in flats as a last resort but if it got that bad we would most likely push the show a day or two and swap around the entertainment kind of schedule um but for the most part we we're we're like no it's not that bad we can go on and do it like if if it's not gonna be dangerous to any of us or any of our partners because I mean especially like when you're flipping girls upside down or throwing them over your back and catching them under your legs. You're like, is this going to be safe? Right. Um, but our line captains are also like sweethearts and would always come to us at Tech Run and be like, or call us beforehand and been like, how's everyone feeling? Also, some people suffer with seasickness. So you can lose people sometimes. And if it's a singer, then we don't do cabaret style of mime to the greats all of it is live so we would call the show then and um put on one of the guest entertainers oh that's so bad because we didn't do lifts or anything like that because that's a whole different thing because then when you dance on a stage that doesn't move it almost feels weird like you're yeah. definitely your balance your proprioception get better because i just remember that first week when they say you're getting your sea legs and you just feel like you're drunk and you're trying to learn the show and it's moving. I mean, it's really and then you the, the first few days dancing, it's like, okay. And then you're sore because you grip different muscles. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Them. Yes. Yeah. Um, but then it's great when you get back on land and you go into a studio and you're like, 
you can do like I got this. all the amount of pirouettes and like yeah your, like on point <laughs> oh I definitely think I help with that and then it'd be fun when you get a new person in when you're getting good at it, you watch them try to walk and you're like oh yeah that's right that's all <laughs> that's what we all had to deal with was like this ship is moving my stage is moving my partner is swaying the audience was swaying uh Lewis this was fabulous uh, I love the show. I love the ship. And I really, I hope it comes back for the sake of the ship. Cause it's a beautiful ship. And I just felt like I felt there was a really wonderful, um, it felt genuine as hospitality. Cause I think sometimes if it feels kind of like high end, it, it might feel fancy, but not warm. Everything mm-hmm. about that ship just felt like really warm and very, um, Good, accommodating yeah. as, and I was like, I want to go back. Like I wanted, I was just picturing yeah, myself picturing which other cruise. So for my own selfish sake. It just as much as the guests yeah I just think that's so great to hear dancers I think we've learned we got to treat dancers better you keep them around longer if they're if they're treated well paid well instead of like yeah they'll do it for free yeah for sure I think well, that's I'm gonna... why so many of them, like like with Paris shows Crystal was one of those that we'd had people there for 13 years eight years six years like it wasn't just like, oh, I'll do a contract and go. And some people that did do that came back. Um, but yeah, thank you. The We hope so. But keep our fingers crossed and we'll see. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll be see on a ship or in Paris or something. I do have an episode coming out Thursday. You might want to listen to Jilly Tasker. She worked in, in, in the shows. In, I'm going to say Paris. Is that right? And then she worked on Holland. She worked on two different cruise ships as entertainment director. So she did that and didn't, didn't perform anymore. So it was really fabulous. But she said that she would hear a lot of times people would um, come up to the dancers like, you're really good. Have you ever thought about doing this professional? Uh, I just yeah. thought that was the funniest line. <laughs> it's like, what, wow. we're just volunteering. We do it for the food. We're just, yeah, they don't. I just thought that was such a fun. Like, look at the standard. These are professionals, but hey, you should consider yeah, doing that this. Or like, you guys should be on Broadway. And I'm like, well, some of them have been. Or like, you should be in person. Like, we've done that. Like, they don't kind of. <laughs> realize that people do this as well as the West End Broadway and um the cabaret world that's my favorite and also um oh what are you gonna do like when you get a real job and I'm like ah it's my real job like when I retire when I can no longer perform or do it anymore I might look at something else either within the industry whether it's choreography casting whatever or completely retrain and do something else um but this is paying my mortgage and letting me live (laughs) you have a house that's amazing well if you listen to her you'll appreciate because she also did say how people would say oh the dancers only work two hours a night and the musicians and so she said well you go back and they train their whole life for this you go do all the training they did and then this is like she said, like sometimes if people are, are, you know, other jobs that they're doing eight hours that they just thought the, the performers are getting off easy, like only doing two. I'm like, no, this is they've been training their whole life for this. How many hours go into preparing to be a dancer? They're not just doing those two hours. Do you know how much rehearsals and all the extra things? It's just I think it's like it looks so easy. It makes it look like you don't have to work. I think that's part of the job, though. You make it look easy, but that's down to the years of blood sweat and tears that we've all done from like three years onwards or whenever people started to to dance but yeah the training that goes in you definitely reap what you sow later yeah so you've had a real job for your whole adult life 
and you bought a house as a dancer. I, yes. That was it, one of my goals is like, I wanted to, the things that like people will aspire to do, like I have some friends that are in the West End and they're like, oh yeah, when I finish with performing, because obviously I'm like renting in London. And I was like, why? Like, if you can afford to do it, like why not make your career, like create the life that you want after. And some of them now have bought apartments in London and houses and stuff. But that was always something that I really wanted to do is I wanted to buy a house and a car and still be able to go on vacations and do things that like what I call normal people, (laughs) (laughs) non-performers, but do it through my career in the industry. That's so smart. Yeah. I think I picked up on that way too late. I was just like, you're paying me to do this. Woohoo. And then I come back with three or $4 after each (laughs) six month contract and a really great scrapbook, but no money. So it is really good to think farther ahead because just as important. I have great, great memories. I, yeah, good (laughs) stories too. Okay. Lewis, thank you. I do hope I do hope that both of us get to go. Maybe I'll, maybe we can go have dinner at Umi Uma if we're both on there again. I would love that. We'll do Thank that. You. We'll talk. We'll talk Thank showbiz. <laughs> Thank you, Lewis. Thanks for having me.